welcome one and welcome all to the DFS pod here on the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel. I'm Derek Tate alongside the one and only Kyle Sapi. You can find him on Twitter at Kyle Sapi PFN. Before we get into our stack attack to jumpstart our week four DFS lineups, Sapi, how's your Thursday going, my friend? It's going good. What's that the like? We have football tonight. My favorite team's on. We're playing my buddies. Detroit Lions. So you got a nice little rivalry game. He's coming over. We're going to watch the game. Hopefully the Packers move to three and one and they just keep rolling. Like you've said they were going to be, you were the optimistic one of the two of us on the Packers. And I hope that I continue to be wrong. I, I am perfectly okay with that. A battle for the NFC North division crown. Well, through the North season in the North. I, I love Chris Berman. Um, but so have you ever been to, just real quick before we get started? Do we, have you ever been to Lambeau field? I have not. We had it lined up one year. Things didn't happen. There was a passport issue. It, it, the wife, uh, the wife kind of dropped the ball there. We're not going to get into that because I don't need to shame her on the podcast here. But uh, we had it lined up. It didn't happen the one time. I would love to get there. Have you? Uh, we we had passport issues going to Wisconsin. I didn't know that uh, that existed. It, it was an ID thing. Yeah, not not going to. Yeah. All right, it's a all right. Story. Yeah, I have been to Lambeau. I've been to Lambeau in December when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers played the Green wow. Bay Packers at Lambeau. Jameis Winston was our quarterback, and I think we were playing against Aaron Rodgers' backup. I believe that was the case. It was. I think Aaron Jones was a rookie, and I think okay. he scored like the game-winning touchdown or something of that nature. We lost in overtime, but. Lambo is an experience that I think every football fan should go to. It, 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 was, like it. it was as good as advertised, to say the very least. So speaking as good as advertised, we got to you know, come out firing on this podcast. Stack attack, as we like to call it here. So, Sapi, who's the quarterback wide receiver stack that you really like heading into week four slate? See, I think week four is the most interesting slate we've had up to this point. There's been some chalk. There's been some... Uh, I think this Bills-Dolphins game is going to be about as mega chalky as you're going to see on the main slate here with Josh Allen. You've got a million options there. Tua, obviously, coming back. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot. I'm going to go the other direction, understanding that like half the field's going to be heavily invested in that game. What if I go the other way? What if I get something different right? And if that other game has 44 points or something like that, and everything comes in underweight, and now I'm, I'm positioned to really leverage the field with an under-owned stack. Although, what I'm picking here is no secret. The Bengals against the Titans. You got Burrow, you got Chase, you got Higgins. Why not line them all up, go against the pass funnel that is the Tennessee Titans, and you get them at suppressed ownership. What's not to like there? Burrow, obviously, dealing with the injury, short week. None of that's ideal. And I, again, I think it's going to lower his ownership number. You're talking over 52% of his targets last week went to Chase and Higgins. We know where the ball's going, and we know that targets are basically gold against these Titans. They can rack up in a hurry. We saw not one, not two, but three instances last season in which Higgins and Chase both paid off in the same game with Burrow going bananas. I, I don't see why that can't be the case in a matchup like this with Burrow now a week removed from the injury. I really hope you're correct. I'm so optimistic about this Cincinnati offense if Burrow can stay healthy, or at least he doesn't, you know, that that calf injury does not get worse. So mm -hmm. I, I agree, though, the Tennessee Titans secondary has, you know, kept their issues from 2022 to 2023 through the first weeks of the, of the NFL season. I understand staying away from that Miami Buffalo game. I'm with you it's there. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I, there's going to be a lot of ownership of, of those main cogs, you know, Josh Allen to a Stefan Diggs and, and Tyreek Hill. Where I'm going to go, though, is I'm going to go with 
the Los Angeles Chargers, who are still being very productive through the air. Justin mm-hmm. Herbert has, I thought, played pretty well through the start of the season, despite them still only having a one and two record, nearly zero and three start. But nearly three and zero. <laughs> yeah, near, nearly three and zero, but nearly zero and three. Somewhere in the middle, Brandon Staley still has a job, right. but Keenan Allen. Now with Mike Williams gone, and I do think that there's a chance Austin Eckler gets back on the field because I believe that he practiced last week or like yesterday in a limited capacity. That doesn't necessarily scare me as far as the volume that Keenan Allen is still going to see in this passing game moving forward. Do I expect 20 targets this week? No, I don't. But do I still think it's a favorable matchup and that's a nice stack between him and Herbert? Sure, I do. And if you want to even get a little like kind of like you are getting a little a little saucy with it and start three, the triple stack. Josh Palmer is another sure. guy. And, and maybe that's a little chalky too because of the fact that Mike Williams is hurt. Maybe Joshua Palmer or Quentin Johnston is a nice triple stack for folks. But I kind of like that one with the Chargers this week. And it's, it's a decent matchup against the Las Vegas Raiders. I like it. And the Palmer thing in theory could be chalky, but then you've got Johnston fighting him for that role. So if, they, if, if you're looking at like 30% ownership that you thought might come in on Palmer – Maybe him and Johnson split it, or it's 2010 or something like that. So I think you get off of some of that number that otherwise would have been an issue. So I, I like where you're headed. I think anything outside of that Miami Dolphins-Buffalo Bills game is going to provide leverage on the field. So we have our quarterback wide receiver stack. Who, Which back do we stack with the QB stack, wide receiver stack? A lot of stack, back, back, back. Go ahead. <laughs> Who's your running back uh, to, to pair with your, uh, your stack of the Cincinnati Bengals? I think Javante Williams is still a little bit underappreciated. I mean, we saw 80%, 86%, I'm sorry, of the carries in week two. Obviously, we're going to write off week three. You don't lose by 50 very often. I don't think the Bears are going to score 50 in any month, let alone in a single game, let alone win by that much. So he's not getting game scripted out quite that way. We know the talent is real. And there's been four times in three weeks this season in which a running back scored at least 10 points on the ground against the Bears. Prime spot, game script in his favor, elite talent. Give me Javante Williams at cost this week. Yeah, we're starting to see that talent, uh, again, flash a little bit. I didn't think he quite looked like himself in his preseason debut, but he looks like he's breaking more tackles, a little bit twitchier. He's starting to get a little bit more comfortable on that surgically repaired knee. So I'm with you with Javante Williams against this matchup against the Bears. For me, I'm going to go the other way. Who is leading the running back position on a per-game basis for total touches? Zach Moss and Zach Moss is going up against the Los Angeles Rams and we're not to the week five mark quite yet. So Jonathan Taylor is still not in play, which means Zach Moss. It is his backfield for one more week. And it also is encouraging that Anthony Richardson is back on the practice field. It it looks like we're seeing a a bit of a pattern here with concussion protocol. You know, if a player suffers concussion, they miss the upcoming week. Then it looks like they're probably back on track. Uh, depending on the severity of the concussion. But the point is, Anthony Richardson on the football field, I don't think that that's necessarily a death sentence for Zach Moss's ability to be able to produce on the ground. Maybe it limits his touchdown ceiling just a little bit, but still a very favorable play at his price point against the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. It might hurt the touchdown equity a little bit, but I think it increases the efficiency. Like if you're worried about Richardson getting loose on the outside or even up the middle, things open up for Moss. I like that call a lot as long as the volume is there. It's not going anywhere. And who knows if Jonathan Taylor is coming back. So Moss, a good play in DFS and season long right now. Speaking of something that is going somewhere, though, 
do not miss out on this opportunity that we have with Superdraft. Player prop players, you got to listen up. The NFL is back, and Superdraft has an exclusive free play to win up to 100 times your entry for PFN listeners. Look, imagine this. Paint this picture with me. CeeDee Lamb's current receiving yards line is just half a yard. If he catches just one pass against the Patriots, unless it goes backwards, you're a winner. So, but wait, there's a little bit more. Sign up now and score an instant $20 deposit bonus on deposits of $20 or more when you use the promo code PFN. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to smash a winning player prop entry. Claim your free play and bonus today. Soppy. I know that you still do not have Superdraft in your state, but I will gladly create an account. We can talk about that offline because it might be illegal for me to create an account for you, but I get you. We're going to either way take advantage of the Superdraft uh, promo that we have with PFN. So that being said, let's go ahead and dive into the meat and taters of this episode. Start with quarterbacks, and we're going to go ahead and talk about your player pool. Who are a couple quarterbacks that you really like for this Sunday slate? Yeah, I mean, we're going to go chalk with Josh Allen off the top. I mean, if you're picking at the top of the board or you have to pick one guy in that game, I'm going Josh Allen. Multiple touchdown passes in all 11 career games against the Dolphins. I see no reason for that to change, but that's no fun. Everybody knows Bills, Dolphins, yada, yada, yada. Let's dig deeper a little bit here. If Andy Dalton starts, it doesn't really look that way. I think he's an option in a revenge spot against a bad Vikings defense, but we're going to, we'll pass by that because it doesn't look great there. If I'm paying down and at Jameis Winston, like you're going crazy. I know you're the Bucks guy. Why not? You're looking at a yo. Like I'm not playing for second place in these DFS contests. Jameis Winston has no regard for humanity. Like he is not, uh, not afraid to take his chances down the field. And this offense is built for him with a lot of on one side, Shahid on the other. You get Kamara back to spread the field horizontally. What is not to like there? And potentially a very pass-heavy script against Tampa Bay, who's on a short week and defends the run. So to me, this lines up wonderfully for Winston to have one of those ceiling games where he's scoring, he's putting the or, uh, the Saints in position to score 30 points. And if they're doing it, it's big play after big play after big play. So he's very stackable as well. Have you ever eaten a W before in your life? Like, you know, have you ever tried it? Like, I have not w. tried it. I, I my, my palate is not that advanced. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I still have a Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, Jameis Winston jersey. I'd be willing to give it away on the pod. I, I don't think anybody wants it, though, right now. So, uh, speaking of eating a W, I'm willing to go with the Tater special uh, for the quarterback position this week. I tell you what, Anthony Richardson, when we saw him back in the first half of week two, boy, oh boy, did he look like he was on his way to a monster day. Looks very comfortable and looks the part through basically a game and a, and a, and a quarter in this Shane Steichen offense. I'm very, very, very encouraged by what I've seen at that price point. I'm willing to go ahead and roll the dice with him as my quarterback against the Los Angeles Rams defense. But Jameis Winston, we're going to, we're going to talk about some of these saints pass catchers here in a little bit too, but that's an interesting one. It's just so hard for me to get on board with Jameis Winston <laughs> just because I saw so much of them and had such high hopes. I know, no, I'm not, I'm not suggesting you put the mortgage on it, but in a lineup <laughs> where you're throwing dice, you're throwing darts, excuse me. And you've got all this ownership at the top of the board. Like we said, the, the Bills Dolphins, both of our stacks, they're not going to be the most popular, but they're not going to garner nothing. So I think Jameis comes under owned. I do. There you go. So let's move to the wide receiver position then. And uh, it's because 
it is an interesting week, right? We're, we're seeing a lot of different price points that I think are very, very, very eyebrow raising for some of the top options. And if you're staying away from the chalk, who are some of the guys that you really like heading into the week uh, for slate? If you're going with the chalk, I would go Stefan Diggs. I mean, you're just pairing him with Josh Allen, but off the sure. chalk, because that's what we're here for. You don't need stupid Kyle here to tell you that Stefan Diggs and his 32 targets this season are a good play. Michael Pittman against the Rams. I think there's a nice mini stack option here. You mentioned all the volume for Zach Moss, and that's accurate. Kyron Williams is getting that on the other side too for the Rams. So if you go Ky- pick, this is a strategy, a game theory type of thing. Who do you think is going to win that game between the Colts and the Rams? Whoever you think is going to win, you take their running back and bring it back with a receiver. I personally think the Rams could win that game. So I'm going to go Kyron Williams, thinking that they're leading game script in his favor. Michael Pittman playing from behind with Anthony Richardson back offers some nice upside. He has at least eight catches in every game this year. PPR bonuses on DraftKings. That is gold. If you're going a little further down, Nico Collins. Nico Collins against the Steelers. I, you think Tank Dell offers a little bit more target competition than I do. I, I think we can both agree Nico's going to see his fair share of looks against the Steelers yeah. offense that's given up at least 30 DraftKings points or an average of 30 DraftKings points to the number one guy, the number one target in all three weeks this season. That's terrifying to me. You know Houston's going pass heavy. Nico Collins, a nice option if you pay up for a heavy stack. So it's not, there's no hate for Nico Law. It's, it's a Rico Law commercial reference, what I'm making when I say that. But look, I like Nico Collins. And I, I certainly there's a case to be made for Tank Dell's role continuing to expand. But I think that there's enough pass volume right now in this Houston offense for both to be able to eat. Uh, so I like the matchup against the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are, are kind of confusing to figure out as a whole, <laughs> as a whole football team to start the 2023 season. Uh, love the Pittman call. Tater special at the wide receiving position, though. I'm going to keep picking on this Bucks secondary until they give me a reason not to as far as an opposing top option. Justin Jefferson, week one, over 100 yards receiving. Week two, DJ Moore and the hapless Bears passing attack. DJ Moore went over 100 yards against the secondary. Then in week number three, it was A.J. Brown's turn, and Brown could have had, a, I think, a much bigger day if Jalen Hurts looked a little bit sharper. Now, one thing to keep an eye on, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been without Carlton Davis uh, at the cornerback position, but even still, Chris Olave has just been off to a great start. And if you do believe that Jameis Winston is just going to say, to heck with it, Chris Olave is down there somewhere, for better, for worse, for indifferent, for interceptions, who does not matter, he's going to take his shots down the field. I do think Olave is going to see somewhere between 8 to 10 targets against this Tampa Bay secondary, which has been susceptible to big plays through the air. So I kind of like Chris Alave in that mini Winston stack. If you really want to go with the the Saints quarterback, I would also pair him with Chris Alave. I love that because if you're going Winston, you're paying down at the quarterback position, which frees you up to spend big elsewhere. And Alave is an option to do that. Who could come in under-owned if people are going to these expensive stacks? They're not going to have room for Alave, even if they like the matchup. So from a strategic standpoint, I like where you're headed. There we go. So now we pivot to the running back position and the running back position. It feels like these price points are kind of all over the place. There's a lot of situations where, I mean, there's the Minnesota Vikings now having Cam Akers into the fold. Potentially there's some injury potential returns with like Austin Eckler, um, Aaron Jones on the Thursday night slate. I'm kind of really interested to hear who some of your favorite plays are at the running back position for week four. Yeah. I mentioned Kyron Williams earlier. I think, He's, 
you can't argue with the role that he has right now. It's just second to none. Maybe Zach Moss, maybe in that same game, but the volume, the percentage of touches is just bananas. Did he come in a little under what you were expecting last week? Sure, but Stafford missed him on those dump downs, on the check down passes. I don't think that continues. He catches one of those, takes it to the house. It's a completely different vibe. And if we're going, hey, he used to play with Cam Akers. We're going to go where Cam Akers currently is. Alexander Madison, I'm not worried about Cam Akers, and I'm just begging for him to be active because I think it gets people off of Madison. We're talking a guy that has 80% of the running back work this year, and if Cam Akers comes in and, and dips that to 75%, like you're still talking a very valuable role against a Panthers team that I don't think is any good. Madison, 17 targets this season. We're talking about a three and a half point road favorite. So you're expecting game flow to work in his favor. Madison, a nice option against the Panthers. And if you're really getting funky, like, again, I know a lot of people are going to go with these expensive stacks. Jalen Warren, if you want to say this is the week that he takes over, it's going to happen. I think we can agree that he's going to supplant Najee Harris eventually. Landing on the right week on the roulette wheel is a little dangerous. I'll give you that. But seven rushing touchdowns against the Texans this season. If you're going to do it, maybe this week, the snap count was basically even 31-28 in favor of Harris last week. If you're saying this is the week uh, Warren breaks through, you could well find yourself a good value down the board a little bit. Interesting with the Jalen Warren situation there with the Pittsburgh Steelers backfield. I, at Najee Harris is just, uh, I, I feel for, I feel for draft managers that have invested in, in like second or third round value. It's, it's been a, it's been a rough start and not a great outlook looking forward. But speaking of the outlook moving forward, you gotta love what you've seen from DeAndre Swift over the last two weeks. And, what finally feels like we have a true sample size with DeAndre Swift and Kenneth Gainwell both seeing plenty of work. I thought that it was almost painfully obvious who the better option is between the two players. There's nothing against Kenneth Gainwell, who is a competent back. DeAndre Swift is just, I think, better and special and and gives you plus across the board in comparison to what you get with Kenneth Gainwell. And it's going to be very hard for Gainwell to now keep DeAndre Swift off the football field. I think it's Swift's job to lose. Uh, And if he can stay healthy, and right now he's heading into week four, healthy against the Washington Commanders who gave up plenty of rushing yards to James Cook and company. And, And so far, this Philadelphia Eagles offensive line, Soppy, is just imposing their will against whatever front is in front of them. And they did it to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who were what, second against opposing rushing attacks through the first two weeks by only letting up 54 yards per game, and then Swift drops like 130 yards on the ground? It's For me, it's DeAndre Swift, uh, who I, I really think that is still a very fair price point, um, despite the fact that he's not really finding the end zone quite yet, uh, as much as we'd like to in this Philadelphia offense. Swift is the beauty of DFS. Like You can be concerned about his health in late November, That's not going to impact how I'm playing him in week four. My only concern with Swift in this specific matchup is that we saw Washington beat Philadelphia with like 43 minutes of possession or whatever it was last year. If they can try to do that again, sure, it's near impossible to do. And getting Philadelphia off the field in the first place is difficult. So if if there's a limited possession count, Jalen Hurts is doing Jalen Hurts things from inside the five. A.J. Brown making plays outside the 20. The touchdown equity does concern me a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I've been... as impressed as anybody with Swift over the last two weeks. Speaking of impressed, we got to go to the tight end position. We got to find somebody we like. And looking at the tight end options, 
it doesn't feel great, you know, outside of like some of the, even some of the top options have really, really, really tough matchups this week. So who do you like at the tight end position heading into week four Sunday slate? It's funny when you get Kelsey off the main slate, like this position just falls to pieces. And that's what obviously is the case here with the Chiefs playing on Sunday night with Taylor Swift and all that stuff. Like miss me with the Taylor Swift comments from now on. I've heard enough of, I've heard enough Taylor Swift song references, albums, lyrics, and my football taking in over the last week. I'm good with it. Like I'm going to pass on that. Not that I can spit out her lyrics in the first place, but I am good with that. So if you're paying down at the tight end position, which is kind of how I'm, how I'm addressing this, you can go back to that Dolphins Bills game. If you want, if you want a little piece of that game, Dalton Kincaid's not a bad option. He's splitting the reps, but they're putting two tight ends on the field with regularity, kind of like Jalen Warren. If you think this is the week that Kincaid kind of breaks loose from Knox in a in a good spot, like, I mean, tight ends have a 22% target share for the Bills this season. So if that gets lumped on and 75% of those looks go to Kincaid, you're looking at a serious value in a game that we think is going to be in the mid-50s. I don't think a ton of people are going to go there off of the stack. Like if, you, if you're if you trying to go a one-off in that game to get some exposure, I think that's an option. If you want to go way down, we were, you were just talking about Swift and the Commanders-Eagles game. What about Cole Turner? I don't think uh, Logan Thomas is going to play this week. So Cole Turner puts him into a high snap share spot in a game that we think they're going to be trailing. We've seen the starting tight end for the Commanders have at least seven targets or touchdown in all three games this season. He's not going to cost you much. If he gets anywhere near seven targets, he's paying off this price tag just because the price tag's low. Like, I mean, he's saving you. He's basically a defense. Like, if you want to put Cole Turner in a cheap defense, you can do basically whatever you want in constructing your lineup in what we think is going to be a high-scoring week. So I think he deserves an option against a bang-out Eagles secondary. Give it a couple weeks, and the Swifties out there – they will be coming up with fantasy projections. I know they're going to be better at my job than I am. (laughs) Right. I'm actually kind of scared for my job security right now, because if, if if they get involved and they start diving into things, Ooh, I don't know. They they may be shooting out some, some correct projections. (laughs) I'm I'm nervous of the Swifties anyway. um, But when it comes to interesting on Cole Turner, I very, very, very uh, nice find there at, at that price point. I'm actually a little encouraged from what we saw in week three from Pat Fryermuth, who had what two catches for like five yards and a touchdown touchdown (laughs) through the first, yeah. And a touchdown through the first two weeks, Uh, far more encouraging involvement uh, in week three. He ended up posting three catches for 41 yards and a touchdown again. So he's got two touchdowns on the season, just four targets. So the target share still isn't massive, but at the price point of $3,400, I mean, I think he's like, outside of the top 10 as far as price points at the tight end position goes this week. And in a week where I don't think game flow is going to favor TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews has a terribly tough matchup against the Cleveland Browns. And then George Kittle, the the San Francisco merry-go-round, you know, for pass catchers just keeps going round and round and round. And then Taysom Hill is the fourth most expensive. What do they know that we don't know? Are we missing something here? I think they're thinking quarterback snaps with James Winston under center that it's more likely that he gets some looks there, which if he throws three passes and gets four carries, like that's going to put him as a top 10 tight end. So I get the thought process there, but there's no way I'm paying up for that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's aggressive. (laughs) But uh, so let's move to the, so speaking of defensive type price points, what are some defenses that you really like heading into the Sunday slate for week four? 
Yeah, you mentioned your nerves in backing Jameis Winston. So if you want to go with his defense to go against the Bucs, I'm with that. They're going to force the Bucs to throw the ball. You could. I'm going to give you two games. I think you could go defenses on either end. If you wanted to go the Saints or the Bucs defense, I think it's going to be a pass-heavy script because Jamal Williams is out. So you don't really have a true between-the-tackles running back on either team that I trust in a big way. Rashad White is what Rashad White is. We don't think that's a great talent. So plenty of passes from iffy quarterbacks. To me, that what more could you ask for? I think the total is actually low in that game, which is a little concerning to me, but I do think you're seeing plenty of dropbacks from quarterbacks we don't trust. So Saints or Bucks, and I think Bills or Dolphins. If you really want to get funky and go and pass on the expensive stack, you're going to need Josh Allen and or Tua to fail, to do anything. If you're passing on that stack, you need them to fail. And so if they fail, why not capitalize on it and go with the defense on the other end? We know Josh Allen has never seen a throw he doesn't like. And if the Bills are going to continue to hold the ball, they're third in time of possession this year. If they hold the ball and put Miami in a must-be-aggressive spot, Tua could be forced into a few turnovers. He doesn't have the athletic profile that Allen does where he can run out of trouble, so the ball's going to be in the air. And he definitely is feeling himself and trusts his arm probably more than he should. I would too if I was him right now. And that could lead into a few big plays on either defensive end there. So if you go with either defense there, and let's say it's the Bills. Let's say they make a big play and score a touchdown. So now you've got a Bills touchdown. You've got two struggling. You have Josh Allen not on the field because the Bills scored. That gives you three ways to gain on the field just by plugging in a cheap defense. So I, from a game theory standpoint, don't get me wrong. Both defenses in that game could go for zero or negative points. But if you want to get funky in a GPP, I don't think it's a bad idea. I'd be a little bit more apt to roll with the Miami Dolphins defense sure. against Josh because, Allen. Because Josh Allen, like you said, he, he he never gives up on a play. It feels like throw that he doesn't. I mean, triple coverage. So what? I can go ahead and throw it through somebody and it'll still get it to Stefan Diggs. He, he has a tendency sometimes though to play hero ball. And if you do that against a team that's humming offensively and they just keep scoring and scoring and scoring, could Josh Allen begin to press a little bit and try to, you know, make plays when he probably should be a little bit more patient. I could see that, that type of game script happening, but there is something that I must be missing because when I looked at the Sunday slate for this matchup, I saw the Cleveland Browns defense, which has arguably been the best in the national football league up to this point. They are the eighth cheapest option heading into this week against the Baltimore Ravens. And I understand Lamar Jackson is a former league MVP and he's, they're coming off of what I think is a tough loss, uh, a questionable, uh, you know, no call on a pass interference that could have cost him the game. So I expect that the Baltimore Ravens will be ready to play, but the Cleveland Browns, they've been traveling with defense and making life very difficult on every quarterback they have faced so far in 2023. So what am I missing here? Like, why why are the Browns so so god-awfully cheap? Like, I mean, I get the Ravens. I get they're a good football team, but they didn't exactly light it up against the Houston Texans in week number one. They had their moments where they turned the ball over against the Indianapolis Colts. I understand that the weather conditions weren't great, but what we've seen the Browns' defense do so far this season, Soppy, am I crazy for wanting to roll with them at that price point just because of how stout they've been throughout the 2023 season? You're not crazy at all, and I don't think you're going to be alone. I personally am not going to get there just because uh, you mentioned it earlier. The the Ravens had some turnover problems in bad weather. I'm not sure they're going to be a high turnover team this season, and that's a problem 
when it comes to racking up fantasy points, you've got the low A dot role. Like Lamar's been accurate in this Todd Monken system, and I get it. Zay Flowers have been great on these short passes, but with with short, quick passes, you don't have high turnover equity. And you don't have a lot of time to get a sack. We used to think Lamar Jackson, he's out there running like Justin Fields, running around and he can run into some trouble. That's not really how they're using him. He's getting rid of the ball quick. And to me, that could negate some of the what the Browns do well. Don't get me wrong. I think the Browns have a top 10 defense. And you're right. They are too cheap given the upside and the one play potential. Like you've got Miles Garrett coming in with those biceps. He could swallow up Lamar Jackson and just rip the ball from him and take it to the house. And maybe like in Space Jam where the guys just like crush the ball and it loses all of its air. Miles Garrett could do that and pay off a very cheap price tag. I just don't think he'll be alone. He, they could be a popular defense. And when there's a popular defense, I tend to go the other direction. We got a Monstars reference from yeah, man. Yeah, My baby, one movie. I like it. So uh, we'll go ahead and we'll end it at, at, at that point with the defensive slate. But, you know, any hot takes for the week that we should use or any, any words of win- wisdom from Kyle Soppy as we sign off here on this episode of the DFS podcast? Well, the words of wisdom would be always to check out the PFN channels of content. We're busting it out every day. We've got live streams throughout the week and on Sunday to help you with your lineups. Bring your DFS questions to those. We are chatting from 11 to 1230 every Sunday of the the NFL season. So we're there to help you. As far as a hot take for week four goes, I think Josh Jacobs and a charger receiver, be it Johnston or Palmer, is going to be pretty popular. I think a lot of people are going to go down with that mini stack. So why not put it on its head? Go the same game, different style, and go Josh Kelly, who nobody wants a piece of right now, and I get it. If Austin Eckler's out, though, from a process standpoint, and we talked about this on the other podcast, I don't mind going back to that if Eckler is out. If Eckler's in, it's a completely different story. But assuming he's out, you go Kelly, and then you bring it back with no other than my guy, Jacoby Myers. He's been a star. We're looking double-digit targets in both of his games. He's back from a concussion, racking up a lot of volume. And if that stack comes through the other stack probably fails because they they went game flow the other way you save yourself 300 bucks and you save yourself some leverage on the field so to me josh kelly and jacoby myers i think a viable mini stack if austin outclose out all right all right i i i understand where you're going with josh josh kelly i get it i get it i i, I he's not good i, I get that too <laughs> i don't i don't agree. i i i i i kind of lean the other way but I, I understand in theory, like the process, you stay, stay true to the process. Um, I get it. I get it. I'm just, I'm not buying it. Um, but, but that's a hot take for a reason. And my hot take, it's, it's more so I really got to personally stop stacking so many calories when I'm watching football on Sundays. And this is a personal thing saying that, look, if you're going to go heavy carbs on something while you're watching football and having an adult cocktail or something of that nature, just be careful doing the double stack. If you're going to go chicken wings, don't double up on it with cheese fries. Cause I, I did that, you know, recently and that was a horrible idea. My tummy hurt for a while. I just want everybody to, to watch football and eat responsibly. So that's all. That's all. That's the only hot take I have. Throwing a vegetable here and there. So not a hot, not a hot take. That's just wise. Get some water flowing with the vegetable. Like you can, you can make it. Th- <laughs> Remember, we got a nine thirty game this week, so this is a long Sunday we're talking about. You've got what we're talking fourteen to fifteen hours. Like that's that's a hell of a day if you're not uh not taking care of your body here. So <laughs> I trust my guy Derek Tate here and. Do one by yourself here. Yeah, we're going to have a long day because we're obviously going to be just continuing to pump out content here on the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel, but also go ahead and go to profootballnetwork.com. 
like Sapi already mentioned, we have a fantasy trade analyzer, which has been blowing up. We, we update our rankings all the time. So if you're, whether it's a redraft league or a dynasty league, if you get a trade offer, run it through our trade analyzer to see if it's a good trade and a deal that you should make. Same can be said, we have a start sit optimizer, but also make sure that you book it on your calendar that we are going live. We're actually starting at 1045 AM this upcoming Sunday, and we're going to be going all the way until 1230 leading up to the 1 PM kickoffs. It's going to be myself on at 1045 AM. You can go to Twitter to catch the great Kyle Yates at Kyle Y NFL on Twitter. He's going to take your, ask me anything, start sit questions. And then it's the man himself right here, Kyle Sapi on the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel from 12 to 1230. And we've seen a lot of growth on that channel. We really appreciate all the love and support. And speaking of love and support, if you guys have stayed all the way to the end of this video, please go ahead and hit the like button so you can pay homage to Lord Algorithm. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel and then click the little bell so you get the ding, ding, ding every single time we drop a new video on the Fantasy YouTube channel. And also, wherever you're consuming your podcast content, if you are on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and subscribe and rate and review. Give us five stars. That's all we ask. Otherwise, have a great day and good luck with your DFS Week 4 lineup. For Kyle Soppy, I'm Derek Tate. And until next time, later, says the tater.